Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. What's up, guys? I'm John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we're taking a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. That's right. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and examine the good, the bad, the ugly, and the laughable in these movies. Uh, But we're always coming at it from a place of love. (laughs) You don't watch these movies as much as we have unless you have a genuine affection for them. Dude, I gotta tell you, it's kind of late at night. I'm a little stoked, though. We're wired. We're, we're wired we're up. A little bit wired up on beer and uh, salsa. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, salt coursing through our veins. That <laughs> taste of lime, that hint of lime tostito. I'm particularly stoked because we're doing an Arnold flick. It's, it seems pretty appropriate. Yes, it's time. Yeah. This is Total Recall, people. Uh, 1990, I think. Yeah, I believe that's right. Paul Verhoeven film. Uh, Paul Verhoeven's follow-up to RoboCop. Hell is yes. Yes. Um, this and RoboCop, before it make a nice little back-to-back like movies for Verhoeven, I think often about like directors that have had like just badass movies back to back, like yeah. action flicks. Yeah. There was McTiernan did Predator and Die Hard back to back. That's yeah, that's okay. I James guess. Cameron had did the Terminator and Aliens back to back. That's also pretty okay. Yeah. This doesn't I think reach that level quite, but it's pretty fucking great. Well, I think that for a lot of people, even when I told them we were gonna be doing this show, a lot of people were like, I kinda remember that movie not being that great. I'm like, you need to go back and watch it because it is great. It's also not that great. But it is great. (laughs) Yeah. And what I'm saying is they're not wrong, but they're also right. (laughs) There's so much to love about this movie. And there's just so much weird stuff happening. It kind of borderline. It's kind of borderline campy in the same way. Yes. That that, RoboCop was. Yeah. Starship Troopers and RoboCop can feel a little campy at times, but it's the Verhoeven magic. I love it. It's like a mixture of like hardcore violence and humor. That's right. And also, you know, you definitely get this uh, futuristic atmosphere. We're on a different planet we've achieved the impossible we've gotten to mars and mm-hmm. i think verhoven creates an effective atmosphere of of he creates an effective atmosphere in that regard so it's sort of like when you're watching blade runner you definitely feel like yeah. it's in the future and well, and it's and it feels real it feels tangible well speaking of blade runner like a big nice thing that this movie segue. has going for it is that it's the premise is based on a philip k dick story we can remember it for you wholesale Philip K. Dick was like friggin' very prolific sci-fi writer, if yeah. you don't know. But I, he's almost like the Stephen King of sci-fi because it seems like everything he writes gets adapted. I feel like I've spent a lot of time in the 
like more science fiction fantasy realm, like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. I've never like, read any Philip K. Dick. Yeah, I, I think that I've maybe read a couple of short stories, but I've never devoted time to a novel. And I know we're going to get some hate mail because of this, and that's yeah. fine. Listen, we're this contrite. is a movie podcast. We are going to do better, you guys. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to learn to read. <laughs> <laughs> After all these years, oh, oh I never God. learned how to read. I never knew my fault. Um, but Philip K. Dick, his writings were the basis for Blade Runner. That's right. Uh, Minority Report. Right. Awesome. A Scanner Darkly. All the Adjustment Bureau. So stupid. They're so trash. It's all trash. The Just Man in the High Castle. It's pretty good. I've watched all of these shows. Yeah. I've watched all these like, shows or movies. That animated Scanner Darkly is great. Yeah. This dude had like just an amazing imagination. Yeah. Of, and stunning. what the future and is in so many of his premises. Yeah. Like have come to feel more real I than think he is yeah. definitely to me the heir of like Isaac Asimov and mm. Ray Bradbury as far as his yeah. science fiction writing is concerned. Like Absolutely. It's just, it just he is so good at creating based on based on what I've seen in this movie. Again, we don't read creating an atmosphere. Blade Runner, incredible. Scanner Darkly, incredible. In this movie, incredible yeah. story. Even though this is not necessarily based verbatim on his story, the idea of it is there. This movie also is part of Schwarzenegger like launching to being the biggest star in the world. Right. He had had, um, I guess just before this, he had done Predator, which had been huge. He had a couple of movies in the pipeline after that that weren't great. So we may talk about him. I think it was he had Running Man come out after that. And then I, I think it was maybe Red Heat with Jim Belushi. Yeah. Not a great yeah, one. Not a great one. But after this, he went on a run of he had twins, Total Recall, Kindergarten Cop and Terminator 2. And solidified himself. as That was as like the guy. he was doing comedy. He was doing action like he was. Every everything he touched turned to gold. That's right. On this stretch, he was on. Touch. It's awesome. I, the story goes that Arnold was like a big RoboCop fan, and he wanted to work with Verhoeven so like badly that he sought him out in a restaurant or whatever, and was like, "Hey, we should work together." Did he do I'm a working on this above his head. He did not. He didn't need to, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sought out Verhoeven. He's like, "I'm a big fan. Loved RoboCop. We should work together." I got this project i'm developing total recall and i guess the rest is history i think verhoven was a big arnold fan he was yeah. arnold was one of the original choices to play That's the robocop said i i don't know that i read that but i'm on board with that it would have been weird for him to be terminator and robocop i think that yeah based on the other choices that he had of like lundgren and michael ironside who we'll get to discussing in a little while um those were better choices i just is RoboCop's an iconic character, and I can't imagine RoboCop with a foreign accent. That's a good call. Yeah, that wouldn't, just, that wouldn't have worked for me. I just can't. It would have been so distracting. Even though all he does is deliver one-liners once he's in the suit. Yeah. Still. That's still a great the, call. Still out of trouble. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yeah. What was the, uh, what are some of the... Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Now, see, that sounds like Terminator. Everything would have said it, was, it, it would, would have been, been Terminator. Term- yeah, it would Terminator. have been a Terminator retread. And how much would that have derailed? It would have diminished Terminator for one. Well, and it would also, I think, sort of been like, can Arnold do anything? They would have pigeonholed Arnold, yeah. typecast him. So Verhoeven, you were thinking, you were thinking straight, my friend. So it's great for Arnold that he was like seeking out ways to sort of expand his horizons, including comedy. Yep. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, the screenplay to this is really good. It was a 
Ronald Shusett screenplay written along with Dan O'Bannon. That duo was famous for having written Alien. And that's good. You could have retired after that and been fine, I feel like. Yeah. Alien was a masterpiece. I think they were developing this screenplay even back when they were working on Alien and still trying to... I, there, the story goes that there were dozens or scores of versions of the Total Recall screenplay. Um, and then, of course, a score by Jer Bear, <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The, the legend. Um, Alien was one of his as Alien well, right? Was one of his Star Trek, the motion picture. So we get we get a lot of great themes from him. I think great he, sci-fi themes. Yeah, I think that he he was like only second to John Williams as far as being able to write a really memorable theme, especially around that time. But like, uh, yeah, Planet of the Apes, Patton, Chinatown, which was an amazing score. Poltergeist, Gremlins, Hoosiers. I mean, the list goes. Gremlins. On. So, yeah, oh, I love that score. But yeah, he's they all I feel like they also said they wanted the opening theme to have a Conan the Barbarian feel, which it totally does. It totally does. To the point that I'm like, geez, you know, the guy who did the score for Robocop did the score for Conan. Yeah, going, Why not just use him? Yeah. Going back but, and listening to it now, it definitely has a little Conan vibe. The heavy it, drums. Yeah. Heavy drums, brass sort of blaring at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. another member of the writing team was Gary Goldman who listeners of this podcast might remember also wrote big trouble in little China oh. or did punch up like was one of the guys. So yeah, it's kind of got that madcap feel to it right. as well. You know, but now that I'm sitting here thinking about the music, would this movie have benefited from like a tangerine dream or, or a <laughs> score from like, uh, you know, like in blade runner was the Who's guy's that? name. I can't remember the Vangelis or Van, something. Van, yeah. Vangelis. Okay. Yeah. Would that have I don't been? know. No, I love this. It works. It, it feels, needs it an epic like action. A, like, a, like an adventure movie more. Yeah. I think that was the O'Bannon and Shusett's idea was that it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but in space. But I think where they landed is pretty perfect. The, yeah. the tone of the movie. I agree. All right. So, yes, there actually is a movie to talk about here. Uh and it opens up on Mars, on the surface of Mars, the red planet, it's, very red. It's very, very red. <laughs> I think these are all models, like the landscape. They look pretty awesome. It's proof, yet again, to me that that's just the way things should be done. I know it's expensive. I know it's time-consuming, but damn it, it looks amazing. It looks like it's actually something that's been photographed, because it is. Yes. Um, anywho, it's uh, we got Arnold... We don't know who he is yet. He's right. just Arnold at this point and a woman in spacesuits. They're, roaming, they're roaming the desolate <laughs> landscape <laughs> of Mars in spacesuits. And they like share a tender moment like through their masks. And he like weirdly caresses, he caresses her mask. The side of her like glass. <laughs> her helmet or whatever. Kind of like patting her. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Before they trudge along. It's a little hard to be romantic in those suits, I feel. It would have been funnier if they like bumped heads or something. So then. Arnold turns to walk and the, and the ground just sort of crumbles under him and he falls down right. and cracks his mask open. It's rough. But like he kind of just fell for no reason. Like this is our hero. Yeah. He's like clumsy. I mean, I guess in the end we see he, he wakes up and it was a nightmare. Right. So I guess that's pretty nightmarish. But at the same time, it's like it's not a smooth move. Right. Like, And we also get our first glimpse of, of some pretty like rough facial uh -huh. animatronics. Dude. When he's suffocating, it's like his eyes are bulging and all that. Yeah, it looks pretty, pretty painful, I'd say. It, it, it has always looked like what I would imagine dying on a like out in space to look like. Yeah, I can imagine 
So I don't mind those that mask work or that animatronic or whatever you want to call it work so much because it's not meant to look like Arnold just yeah, so sitting sort of, still. Yeah. It's bulging and right. swelling. It's sort and, of grotesque and, yeah. and uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but then his wife consoles him, aware that he's have been having these nightmares, played by the lovely she's Sharon rav- Stone. She's ravishing in this film. This is her at her best, I'd this say. This is peak Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> peak Stone. Peak Stone. Absolutely just mind-boggling how yeah, good she she's looks. She's beautiful. They, she gets mad because he keeps, I guess, having these dreams with this brunette woman. Which at first, she's very, she's concerned because this has been happening all the time. She calls him Doug, so we learn his name is Doug. Yeah, um, Doug. And she, she immediately knows, is it the dream about Mars? And he says, yes. And so she starts trying to kiss him. Is that making it better? And he's like, yes. That's when she's like, was she there? And then all of a sudden, it's like the gears switch. He's kind of like, I can't believe you're jealous of a dream. And it's sort of playful at first, but then she gets kind of angry and is like the brunette. She's kind of (laughs) sort of smacking at him until he kind of takes her and pins her down. Yeah, she starts like like actually sort of hitting him. I know it's like husband and wife, like but like play punching. Like, I can't believe you're dreaming about this brunette. What are you doing? Women be crazy. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I love, I love, love women. Women, <laughs> women make women, the world go round. Are both equally crazy. That's true. Um, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone might be a little crazy. This character is crazy. I think her in life. There's like just stories of her being sort of well, a terror. I I can neither confirm nor deny, but I have I have. Yeah, I've, also I've never heard. met her. I'd like to. Right. Yeah, I would, too. I'd love to meet her. I'm, I'm sure she is a lot of fun. I'm sure she's a guest. Um, her but, performance is like so good, though. In yeah. this movie, she is like perfectly cast. Absolutely. Um, and, and you immediately see that in this little bit boudoir scene that uh, she and Arnold have got some chemistry. Yeah, I was saying earlier, like. A lot of times Arnold doesn't necessarily have romantic chemistry with the women that he's paired up with. Like, I think of movies that we talked about predator. Like, I feel like there was supposed to be some sort of chemistry between him and the rep and the gorilla woman right. that they pair up with, but there's just not right. Or like commando he's with Radon Chong and there's nothing there. Right. Um, eraser he's with Vanessa Williams and it's just like not working. I mean, he's just a big hulking guy. And I don't know that that, He's with a very works similar, for everyone. He's with a similar character to Melina in this movie in Running Man. Yeah. The, what was was the chemistry good in that one? I don't quite remember. I don't know that they ever really had time. The chemistry to was develop good. the romance. Yeah, but I, I think that it was as good as it is with Melina in this movie. You know what? He was good with the um, in Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. The the warrior woman in there, the Valkyrie, and he was also good with Red Sonia. Yeah, I, I had not seen the movie ever. Maybe yeah. Yeah. I just know it's legendarily bad. It, it might be one that we need to do because that's we got will. A, that's got a heroin in it. I might even have to f- axe out the fact that I haven't seen it. Yeah, from the podcast, I can't. I don't want the hatred. <laughs> he had great chemistry with the uh, Preston Kelly Preston and twins. That that is true. Yeah, she had it going on as well. Tonight's um, your night, bro. Tonight's your night. It's your night, bro. It's your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. <laughs> God, I love that movie. It's, it's not movie. an action movie. It still might deserve a little treatment no, on it here. It should, absolutely. There's I enough love... action that it counts. <laughs> Arnold is getting some action. Yeah, well, hey, hey now. So is Danny. Danny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the next morning over breakfast. Arnold's like locked in on the news from Mars. He's whipping up what? Pancakes? I don't, know. I don't know. I think it was some sort of future beverage. Yeah. He, and I don't think he ever finishes it. <laughs> 
He's sipping on it. Yeah, he's oh, just, he's is he drinking yeah. pancake <laughs> batter? <laughs> I hope so. That I seems, would. That seems like something Arnold would do. Yeah, right? high in protein, it's raw protein. eggs. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sharon Stone comes in. She doesn't like him watching all the Mars news. No. Oh, wait, her name is Lori. Yeah, we, we found out her name is Lori. Um, and then, and then, yeah, he is fixated on the news. There, mm-hmm. this is where we find out there are two rival factions, the Northern and Southern Bloc, at war. Um, and there's talk of a conflict with Quato, yep. who's leading a terrorist movement on Mars to halt the production of everyone ready terbinium, terbinium, which is used to make weaponry weaponry for yeah, like Earth weapons. It's a staple of these Verhoeven movies to have like newsreels. You know, to deliver exposition. And they do it a lot in this one. I mean, I guess they do it in all of them, because even in Robocop, there's several moments. Yeah. And, but what a great way to get your exposition through and make it seem believable. I mean, almost, like, let's be real, in movies in general, almost any time you see the news, they're watching the news, is because something, you're going to yeah. get some exposition from yeah. the news, right? But the way that he does it, he sets it up. So we hear about that, like there's, yeah, there's a rebels or terrorists on Mars being led by some mysterious quado. It's also there's like straight up just a shootout happening like on the, news, on the news, but it's like blood splatter everywhere. It's like crazy that like this is being broadcast now in this future, which is hysterical because like the very next thing is Quaid saying, you know, I'd really like to move to Mars. <laughs> Don't you think it would be great? It's weird. Yeah, it goes straight from bloody murder and chaos on Mars to Quaid's like, we should do it. We should move there. She she shoots down that idea right quick. Yeah, and her reasons are fucking solid. Yeah. Like, oh, you aside from that, it's like... You can't breathe on this. Uh, I'm not sure I understand his reasons for wanting to go. Right. Other than the dreams, I guess. Right. It's like some Inception shit. Exactly. It is true, like... I've experienced it in my life. Like once you get an idea in your head, it can be hard to shake it until yeah, you for better or for worse, for better or for worse. <laughs> you're like, once, I, once you get in your mind, you want to do a thing, then it's kind of like, it's just always that idea that you want to do. It's kind of always Time there. Strap dynamite to this thing and blow it up. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, she desperately starts to try to change the subject. Yes. And like, not sneakily at all. Uh, Doug like sort of snags the remote and flips it back to the news. Cause I think she had like moved it to the weather right, channel right, or right. something. Right. She was starting to try to like kiss and stuff. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he flips it back on the news and is like, please Sharon, I don't have time for the smoochy smoochy right now. I want to hear what's happening on Mars. Yeah. And the, the news person says that alien artifacts have been found. And then we are introduced to a personal favorite of yours and mine. And uh, if, if you haven't listened to our RoboCop series, go back and check that out because we talk a lot about Mr. Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox is fucking awesome. <laughs> He's like undervalued character actor. He's uh, he was Bogomil in the in the Beverly Hills Cops films. Um, yeah, he was the main baddie in RoboCop and killed it. Dick. He's playing a very similar sort of corporate greed Sleaze. bad guy in this one as well whose who's name even Cohagen. I guess we don't know he's bad yet so spoiler he alert he seems bad initially <laughs> he in, he starts to try to spin immediately that this this mysterious Kawato yeah. and his band of mutants are dangerous yeah. and I think he literally says a bunch of lazy mutants think they own the planet right they're flying the ointment apparently yeah so we are, we're going to learn more about the mutants later, but basically his, his drive is that they've got to get this mineral turbinium out of the planet. Cause it's useful for like the war effort back on earth. They're making 
the northern block is making weapons with this. It's the only way they can help hope to defeat the southern block. But Kevin, there's oil. We have to drill. Yeah, we have to drill. There's we got to get that it's precious, precious. It's for war. War fuel. But even all of this, Quaid immediately, his head is in the clouds. He's like, I feel like I was meant for something more. <laughs> I want to be somebody. He really does. And it's kind of like, that's a universal, I think, movie theme. That's a universal me theme. Yeah. Same, brother. We it's all, just like, I like, feel like I was, I feel like I'm more special than the, than the circumstance that absolutely. I'm in. It's like the Switchfoot song. But I think that's something that every person can relate to. I think even if you're, even if you're on top of the world, I think, you know, but I could, I could have more, whatever it is that you want. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a solid, just motivation. Yeah. I think that's a universal. I want to be somebody. That's a, you know, <laughs> and think about response. blood sport. Same thing. I was yeah. meant to find the Kumite. I need this. Right. Yeah. And then she, respond, she responds hysterically. You are somebody. You're the man I love. Which, hey, that'd be enough for me, I think. And he's like, nah, nah I mean something good. Something, <laughs> I mean something else, something worthwhile. <laughs> and yeah, it's so he shuts her down again. It's like brutal. Um, Poor Sharon. Poor yeah. Boy. Now he so he leaves and then Sharon Stone has like that look on her face that could yeah. be read multiple ways, depending on how you want to. Her performance in this is so good. Like she walks that knife's edge. It's a tightrope. Yeah. Of like looking back on the film, any one of those early scenes could be read as she just legitimately is like, dude, why do you want to go to Mars? It sucks there. Right. Or she's got an agenda to try to keep him off Mars. I think I remember the first time I saw this as an adult, not as a kid, because I think as a kid, I was just like smitten with Sharon Stone. But as an yeah. adult, you're watching <laughs> and thinking that look says could say so many things and that's why the performance is and so many people use this word and i shouldn't say it, but i'm gonna say it layered but it's yeah. like she looks like just a frustrated wife she's over it or she looks like somebody that potentially is like maybe she's got something to hide she's got something on the side because she's so tired of doug that she's got something else going on Who this knows? is a great part for an actor to play yeah because it's like you get to really like go into some yeah like you said just it's a, a tightrope like it is any misstep could be disaster. Like you have to really nail every scene. Yeah. And you have to be able to switch on a dime to mm -hmm. something completely different than what were you, what you were doing a second ago. So then we've got Quaid commuting through the, like the futuristic transit and system. The whole world looks like an airport in the future. Yeah. Yeah. This was a, uh, well, we'll get to it, but he goes through like this, high security like x-ray machine very which is very cool. cool that was some of the first use apparently in film of like cgi like genuine cg like i think they were trying to do do find a way to make it actually real yeah how else or something but yeah in the end whatever they were trying wasn't working and they're like well we'll just sort of draw the skeletons and animate them yeah i guess but they used sense. a they computer could, yeah. to do it but it looks awesome it looks great and it's like it looks legit in the moment. It's cool. And it stands up and it's like setting up, you know, that that'll we'll have some fun with that later. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's awesome. Freaking awesome. So Quaid steps onto the, to the train and there's a recall commercial conveniently on the television there. Recall, <coughs> recall, recall. Yeah. Recall is a company that sells you memory implants in lieu of taking actual vacations. Sounds legit. 
It's an intriguing sales pitch. It is. There is a wonderful book, and the author's name escapes me, but it's called The Art of Travel. Yeah. And the whole thing is based on the different reasons that people want to travel and saying that, you know, some people genuinely want adventure, but then some people want to, they want to get away, uh, get away from it all. But there's so much that goes into travel that by the time people actually do it, they hate it. They hate doing it. It's yeah. a pain in the ass. And that's sort of what this whole- This would like, be like no yeah. planning involved. Exactly. Like, I think, I mean- like in reality, what is a vacation once it's over other than just the memories of the vacation? Exactly. So this is kind of like cheaper. It's better. Apparently that's what that's the, that's the sales pitch. And the thing that is interesting is like, you're guaranteed to have a good time. Yeah. Like you could take a trip to, (laughs) you could go to the Bahamas and it's rainy every day, but not like with recall, it's going to be like, Every day was perfect memories, you so know? All right. So they're already talking about being able to use like VR head, VR headsets. How do you think about that? So instead of like, being in Paris, you'd put on a VR headset mm. and it would essentially be the same thing. I think I'd want to go to Paris, but like something more dangerous, like going to the top of Everest yeah, or something like that'd be dope. I'd yeah. be into it. That'd be cool. So that's real life. That's like the direction. I mean, we could get, who knows if you want to go to India, you could put on a headset and you're at the Taj Mahal instead of dealing yeah. with the smog and the pollution or whatever. I mean, I already like to go to like Google street view and yeah. just look around in strange cities and stuff like that. So yeah, it seems like, it seems like Quaid wherever he turns can't get away from like recall. Yeah. Like mania, like this, the thought oh, and of they, Mars. In the commercial, they pitch a trip to Mars and that's right. what really gets his attention. Right. Right. And he's like sort of thinking about it. It's like stuck in his brain, like right. a, like a broken record. Brain. And then, uh, and then, so we see him at work. He's at work in like the, the whatever, the gravel pit, jackhammering away. Because what else would Arnold do in a movie? Besides Dude, Arnold makes that jackhammer look good, though. He's, he proved, <laughs> he already proved that he could do this in Running Man, carry rocks and chisel things. So he's chatting up with his uh, his coworker, Harry. Harry. Uh, who is Robert Costanzo yeah. from everything you've ever seen but can't remember. <laughs> I think he's awesome. I mean, I remember him distinctly from City Slickers. Right. Like, given this, the student, uh, the f- parents come to school and tell you what they do. Yeah, he always plays sort of like a New York mobby kind of guy. Yeah, he's just that guy. He was in... Um, you definitely would remember him from Die Hard 2. Right. He was like the guy who was having uh, McLean's car towed and turns up <laughs> later like Vito was the guy's name, of course, because why be subtle? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, quite an Italian guy. And Quaid is asking him like, hey, you ever heard of Recall? You know, what do you uh, what do you think of that? And the dude's warns him yeah. against it. Yeah. My friend tried a special off and nearly got lobotomized. I mean, essentially you are, you are paying them to give you brain damage. Right. Like even in the perfect scenario, they're going in and jacking your brain up. Yeah. They're, they're changing something inside of you forever. But this dude, man, Harry, again, this actor, he gives a good performance that cuts both ways. Like, I think what, I don't know, Quaid goes on break or something. He walks off and like Harry gives this look after him. Like it could be that he's like this dummy wants to go to recall or he looks more menacing. That face and and the, the length of time that he looks at Quaid is just something is up. And here's where I pose. Would you do something like this? I know you put on a VR headset, go to recall around, but would you do something like that? Would you have a memory? I'm a pretty cautious dude. I think, I think if it was, legit dangerous i'd probably not want to do it not want to risk it especially something that's yeah messing with your mind right 
Yeah, I, I would not. I would yeah. not do something like this. I, I uh, video games are already at such an immersive place mm-hmm. that 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 becomes a danger of people just getting sucked in and sort of staying in that place, like in Ready Player One. Yeah, to an extent to where it's unhealthy. Yes, agreed. I think that's um, not to say gaming's not cool because it is. <laughs> It's Play, all things in moderation. All things in moderation, my friend. That's right. Exactly. Let that be the lesson. So Quaid... And no, and no gloating before the fight is done. <laughs> yes. Quaid being like the one-track mind guy that he is, just straight from work, heads to recall. He's like, thanks for that advice, Harry. Bye. Thanks for the advice. My wife doesn't want me to go. Uh, you know, my coworker says it's a bad idea. This I'm going to go check it out. Proof. I am I'm ready go to rock. The commercials are so compelling, though. Now he goes in, there's a receptionist there doing like a cool trick with her nails. Oh, that is so cool. She's like got a little wand or something. They can just change the color. Every woman's dream. Yeah, dude. You save. Just mix up the manicure every day. Pay pay 200 bucks for that thing, a one-time deal. And then you just have like little pads on your nails that are the right shape. And then you just touch them. I think we could both agree that like the receptionist was just thirsty for Quaid. Yeah, she wanted to she wanted to climb up Arnold like a jungle. <laughs> like <laughs> four reels. Uh, now he goes back and he re- meets with the sales rep who. Yes, I think Quaid's like, I'm interested in a Mars trip. And he's like, well, space travel is your deal. Why don't you go on one of these other? I presume like more expensive. That's trip. exactly what I thought, too. Yeah, he's like, take a Saturn cruise. Yeah, Doug's not interested. He's Mars, like, no, I want to go to Mars. Mars. So the dude's like, all right, you get what you want. He, he pitches him the thing, which is basically a, a two weeks vacations worth of memories right. um for Anything else will be extra what was it, 899 credits 899 credits whatever, whatever credits whatever worth like is. if that's if that equates to a dollar like of what he calls first class memory i love that first class these are going to be the classiest memories you ever had <laughs> believe me it's going to be all nothing but marble fountains and uh you know gold right. leaf of mars i guess yes whatever um but I think it's, you know, he says it's going to be as real as any, any memory you have in your head. The Quaid is concerned cool. about some brain damage. Yeah. He asks about what about the guy who had the, had to get a lobotomy and the sales rep says, Oh, it's that don't Don't sweat it. That's totally safe now. He said, and he says that a real vacation is the it's just as dangerous it's now. Luggage, lousy weather. <laughs> Forget it. Oh my God. It's like, what? Yeah. You're selling me on it, buddy. On the commentary, Verhoeven speaks about recall, like compares it to the tobacco industry where it, he says they're selling a dangerous product. Product, but of course, they're not telling you about the risks. Right. Which, you know, I can see that. Absolutely. Uh, and then he, he sort of hands Quaid the questionnaire to start filling in. And well, just, yeah, Quaid's like, I'm in. Yeah, you I'm, sold, I'm me. sold, man. $899, where do I sign? <laughs> How many months wages as a jackhammer operator right. is that? No one knows. Um, and, then, and then the sales rep starts to get into the, hey, What's the what's the same thing about every vacation? Ah, you are, buddy. I love this part. Yeah, this is he's where like, we really start. He, he starts. This is the upcharge, the upsell. Yes, he's basically pitching in the package where yeah, you'd be have options of like who you'd be on this trip other than yourself. Right. They call it the ego trip in this movie, where you get to choose your alternate identity, and he gives. He gives Doug four choices yep. to choose from millionaire, playboy, sports hero, industrial tycoon and secret agent. Yeah, I like the secret agent option myself. Well, what would you I, do? I would probably choose secret agent also. I like the, the get into some some action, you know, yeah, just like I don't see how being a millionaire on your trip. I mean, I guess you're what are you staying in a nicer hotel room yeah, or on, something? I don't on Mars. What does that mean? I don't know. 
You don't get to go outside. You're inside the whole time. Yeah. You get to buy Being a sports athlete could be cool just because you'd have like babes hanging all over you, presumably, right? Yeah, but, I, like, uh, again. But the secret agent's like, that sounds awesome. Like it's an adventure. So, and then he describes the secret agent. You're a top operative. You're under deep cover on your most important mission. <laughs> People are trying to kill you. You meet a beautiful, exotic woman. And in the end, everything goes the right way and all for only 300 credits. So what's wild is like, this is bold storytelling because they're essentially telling you what the plot of the movie is going to oh, be. Yeah. yeah. Laying it out there. Um, but I somehow, man, it works. But it's Arnold or Doug couldn't be more into this idea. Oh, yeah. He's like, yes. And we discussed that. That the only way this scene could have been better is if Bill Paxton was playing part oh, of the sales rep. R.I.P. We miss you, Bill. I love Bill Paxton, dude. Yes. He did, I think in 1990, he would have been young for this. Yeah. But... He yeah, we agreed. We though. agreed, though, like, well, his character from True Lies, the car salesman, that that Bill Paxton would have crushed this. Yeah, this was this was born. He was born to play this. He's role. also got great chemistry with Arnold. We know. So, right. yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, absolutely. Great call by you, John. Yeah, Doug is thrilled about all of this. He's mm -hmm. like, psyched out of his mind. He's just like, yeah, strap me in and put that sucker in. He's got this big goofy Arnold smile <laughs> when they're like strapping him in the chair. And he, yeah, he's met by Dr. Lull who starts going over his, um, his, his file. Yeah. Um, and you hear something on the news in the background about, or yeah. Or is it from it's her? not news. They're like just showing these slideshow of Mars. Yeah. You hear something fr from her, I guess. About alien about the, culture or something. Yeah, alien artifacts being found on Mars that are about half a million years old. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Then you see them start to strap him down and she notices wedding band. Uh-huh. Oh, he's like, like, you're getting away for a little hanky panky. He says he's been married for eight years. And he's, of course, he's like, no, no, no. I just no, really no, am no. interested in Mars. And then that's when they sedate him. And she starts saying, all right, I'm going to ask some questions and you need to be honest. Ah, uh, yes. They have him like build his dream woman. That's right. Are you are you uh, like what's your sexual orientation? Um, what kind of women do you like? <laughs> he chooses brunette, which is telling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He's definitely trying to build the woman from the dream. Right. For sure. Um, now, uh, amazing that as a guy who has studied screenwriting and all this, like the 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 tightness that exists in this script is impressive. Yeah. Because they point out that like. He's getting more and more drowsy as he's building the dream woman. And at the point that he's practically asleep, they the picture of the finished woman pops up on the screen and it, it literally is the woman from his dream. Right. But he's so drowsy. Is it possible that he's just Imagining not fully it. conscious? Right. That's, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's super it's effective. very, very well done. Yeah, that's all I'll say. And this is where the craziness starts. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the sales reps in a, a meeting with another client that seems to be going well. He's, he seems like he's almost got it landed. But then you see that the techs are on the phone. Mm -hmm. They're on Skype. Screaming. They're on the Skype phone trying to get a hold of him. And he answers and they say that uh, Quaid is having a fucking meltdown. Shit yeah. is going down in here. <laughs> and. I never really liked that they don't show how the meltdown started. Right. That just felt like a little bit of a, like, oh, I would have wanted to see that. But I don't know. I think, is there something cool about seeing those faces on the phone trying yeah, to Yeah, no, with it on mute or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So the sales rep runs in there. He's helping them pin Arnold down. Yeah. There's a lot of yelling and screaming. A lot of good 
Arnold grunting. And they sedate him, what, like five times? They shoot him a dozen times probably with their little stun gun oh uh, injection, whatever, before it finally sort of knocks him out. But yeah, he's saying, he's screaming all sorts of stuff about his cover's blown, his name's not Quaid. Right, that they're um, going to kill them all, somebody's going to kill them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so, yeah, the tech is like, I have no idea what's going on. He was going right, on right. and on and on about Mars. And she says that apparently, clearly, Quaid has actually She's like saying, there. no, he's really been there. He's got actual memories from and Mars. And he and <laughs> the sales rep, like, I, I don't understand the hierarchy at recall. I don't know. But he literally says to this woman who's presumably smarter than him and I would think is making more money than him. He's like, use your head, you dumb bitch. And I'm just like, <laughs> OK, I feel like she's fucking smarter than you, bro. Like, I I don't feel like the sales rep is not her boss. I think he's branch manager and she's just like, yeah, she's just a techie or whatever. I don't know, but I just found that I'm like, what's the structure here? Is he everyone's boss? I think so because he's barking orders at them and everyone's doing what he says. It's like if you, I don't know if at a car dealership, you wouldn't have the sales dude going and chewing out the The head mechanic. That's what I'm saying. I think he's the manager. Okay. I think he's everyone's boss. And he's, and he just happens to be their sales guy. I guess Michael Scott at the office. (laughs) He does it all baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's saying, no, this is not part of the ego trip special or secret agent implant because we haven't implanted it yet. Oh, shit. And that's when he's like, uh, okay. And she's like, yeah, we uncovered his real memories. Like yeah. someone had, someone had Someone's already wiped, wiped his memories. So they basically say, look, uh, we need to, we need to cover this shit. Well, up now. you get the little her lackey is like, what are we talking about? They're like, this is the agency. And she puts a tremendous bitch slap on him. It's amazing. Yeah. She like <laughs> lays him out with a slap. And then basically the, the dude in charge, I guess the sales rep is like, look, erase his memory of coming here Wipe and his file, put him in a cab and send him I'm home. Refund his money. And yeah, and we're going to erase his, we're gonna act like any trace he was ever here. We're going to wait for this all to blow over. <laughs> and, and that friends. Yeah. Is how this episode. That's happens. a tight opening to a movie. Whew. Yeah, a lot happens. A lot happens right off the bat. This is a movie with a lot going on. Oh, man. Yeah, the intricacies of this plot, they sort of unravel more and more and more. Yeah. It's more and more The weirdness and the twist of the plot are only beginning, so please come back next time. There's so much more Total Recall to discuss. So much more Arnold grunting and screaming and all that. <laughs> Bloody violence. Oh, oh it's going to be it's gonna be freaking rad. We can't wait to, we can't wait to share it with you guys. All right, guys, uh, we'll be back. We'll see you next time.